Good Hello. morning, Jamie. <laughs> hey, Stefan. <laughs> uh, so after experiencing some audio challenges, we're back. <laughs> we're back. We're uh, fighting through. Take two. Uh, the long and the short of it is uh, we've had a busy week, both yeah. of us actually. Yeah. And um, we were talking about making friends and the importance of making friends and uh, the importance to neuroplasticity, putting ourselves in novel situations and adding, um, letting our bodies know that we are in our body and that the physical vehicle can take us places and create and is part of this uh it's part of what helps us explore and create new situations in life. And those things, the friendships, the creation, the having a purpose for being in our physical body and creating these new stories is what keeps us alive. It's what gives us purpose at what, and um, well, and as we get older, our friends pass away, they might move away and, it's important to one maintain friendships that are dear that takes effort and two to create new friendships because they're they go away as our friends pass away yeah. and life's circumstances change and so those things all require attention but the value is incredible because of you you just told a story of picking up your friend who's dealing with cancer and how many i don't know for you but i have had quite a few people in yeah. my circle of friends who have dealt with cancer who have dealt with life right threatening now? yeah i have three actively yeah. dealing with it right now yeah i have one active as <laughs> i just can't it's I'm like, like Man. this is yeah yeah mm -hmm. It is hard, but yeah, my my friend, she she passed out and hit. She does have kids, but her oldest son was at work, and the youngest is fourteen, and he, you know, he can't take her anywhere. But she uh, hit her chin, and it was bleeding. They couldn't stop the bleeding, so she had to go get it stitched up. She went and got checked out. Everything, everything seems okay, but yeah, but what caused that? You know, it's. I think her body is just overtaxed right now. Well, it could be anything from just low blood sugar. Yeah. I'd get it. I mean, I, here's a geezer moment for you. I just got up out of the morning. I got up out of bed in the morning really quickly. <laughs> oh, and then, <laughs> and then I just walked to the bathroom like I normally do. And then whoever, how, who knows, however many, a minute or 30 seconds later, I'm looking up at the bathroom ceiling and I'm going, huh, I probably shouldn't get up out of bed so quickly. Yeah, it's <laughs> just like, whoa, did you fall Just low, low, low blood pressure, right? Yeah. Just... yeah, you get so dizzy, like even just standing up so quickly, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but yeah so, I think that so is these are, all it was for her. Yeah, these are old people stories. This happens to us <laughs> as old people. We have to be more mindful I mean, I'm just glad that I have low blood pressure and not yeah. high blood pressure. 
yeah. I tend to be less less excitable <laughs> that's that's good that works for you man that works out in, in the favor of feeling better feeling all right doing all right man yeah so what else is it what how else you know what else is going on in your world I feel like yeah I'm still well, I'm still a little in my whirlwind but I'm I'm finding my mellow again yeah well a lot's happening in our business um, at Where Next. We are hiring people and we are hiring people within a new framework and a new idea for the business. There's a certain fear that we're going to lose some of the culture, mm. um, but we actually do need to lose some of the culture um, because Again, we've said this often, what got you there isn't one necessarily what's going to get you moving forward. Exactly. Oh, man. And so there's a fear of, there's also the fear of losing people who got us there. But those people also have other dreams and ideas. And we can't presume that they're, you know, that it's perfect for them to be at the company or that they're going to help us go forward. And in some cases, we've already seen this, is that people, certain people won't help us move forward. They're, yeah. They came in, they came in under the old framework and they got infected. They got infected by the worst elements of our uh, culture. And, um, and they just... And we can't afford to take the time to retrain them. We need to bring in people who are um, more professional and also come from, we need other people who come from other organizations who have a different framework so that we don't need to teach it. We don't need to force a new idea on new people. We're bringing in people who already have new ideas, who already have different frameworks, who already have um different ways of being in a business they have a higher a higher level of professionalism and they've been trained by other organizations and this is a, something that i hearken back to when you and i were at black pixel when we were growing when we started uh, when i started with black pixel there were five of us yeah right there there were five of us and there's and then and uh well six of i made six and there was well maybe there were just five of us at any rate i can't even remember the point is is that created a dynamic and um we had the benefit of bringing in people who were better than us at almost every single new role. And those people brought a new work ethic. They brought a certain level of professionalism and understanding about how to operate. Um, whether it was Mike Hay or Chris Markle, or um, it just, it just changed the dynamic. Those guys um had worked at a lot of different companies and some, some of our new people had worked at Apple. And so they just had that 
it just brought everyone's game up. Yeah. And then when we were all together, the feeling I had as a salesperson was that I could do anything. That yeah. This crew, this crew was so awesome and so diverse and so talented at whatever they needed to do that I just brazenly felt I could sell any project to anyone because I knew we were the best at iOS development, maybe in the world. Yeah. Right. And, and just especially a, at that time was just the golden years yes. of, of that. And yeah, I mean, we, I mean, and when, when I joined, that's how I felt as well. I was like, I'm joining like the, you know, this little company that maybe, you know, was different. It was outside my traditional realm, but what a beautiful space it was to join. And, you know, and it was, it was, you know, when you talk about like, sometimes what started isn't what is later, like things have to grow in a different way. And and just because it no longer fits for you doesn't mean it's bad or you're bad. It's just no longer a fit anymore. And and sometimes that's what happens when things grow and change. And it's it it's necessary. You know, it's sometimes it's painful. Those growing pains are our pains, in fact, sometimes, but it's not it's not a bad thing. It's usually better for everyone when you're able to part ways in that way. Well, yes. And I would say that as long as everyone understands that that's part of the process, you know, and un un yeah, unfortunately, and for some people, the, uh, the change is too much, right? They don't, they can't adjust spiritually and that's the, and uh, they can't accept that other influences need to come in and there and better people. And this is the thing about grow, our growth right now is we know that we don't know everything about every position we need to hire. That's one thing. And two, we know that we need to hire people that are better than anything we've imagined previously. Yeah. Better than us better than better than anyone we have at the company now and so that can be intimidating but the thing is is for the people who are still there right yeah. because they they it, they there could be jealousy there Territory, could be fear that yeah. they're going to lose their job territorial um that's and, a um, fascinating one to me because i've never felt I don't usually feel territorial, but I have been, you know, when I've been brought in, I've experienced people uh, very defensive toward me um, because they're territorial, afraid they're going to lose something. I'm like, I'm not here to take anything away. I'm here to like add to the party. <laughs> well, if I will add in my personal experience, I'll add people might be fearful because you're good at what you do and you're and it's and it's not like you're working hard overtly but you're good at what you do and you do work hard and so that can be really intimidating because you're getting shit done and people are like how's she getting all this sh shit done how's what's happening here <laughs> like how is this and um also you work in well at least in the engineering world 
you kind of work in the middle ground in the dark arts, right? You're in design, you're in user, ex user experience, design, graphics, and how, how the world interfaces with real humans. And engineers aren't used to interfacing so often with real humans. So you're always in the middle ground. Yeah, the bridge, the gaps. Working, <laughs> bridging the gaps. And that can be intimidating because an engineer takes their territory and their skills very personally, right? Their problem-solving skills. And, and so that, uh, that can be territorial. And also, you are a woman, obviously. And that, in the world of dudes, in the brotastic world of engineering, is also very intimidating. So, um, but your skills, uh, and when we worked together, I was so grateful that you were there because you were in that middle ground. You, you understood all the worlds, right? The nerd right. world and the, and as do I, as a except nerd. <laughs> you, as a nerd. Yeah. As a and, nerd. um, and so what I was grateful for was one, that there was somebody who had knowledge in a domain, a deep knowledge in a domain where I didn't travel a lot, right? I didn't travel a lot in the world of user experience design, but I knew, but ultimately it was the most important part of what we did. Yeah, yeah, especially right? I mean, with as many handheld devices <laughs> right as many as many and brilliant engineers that we had all around us user experience design was the 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 most important aspect of what we did because everything began with it and everything had to align with it because we were making stuff for users <laughs> exactly <laughs> not develop we won't we weren't making stuff for developers. This was um, in growing a business is bringing in expertise, is bringing in higher level people because that brings my game up. All of a sudden knowing that you were at the company brought my game up to another level because I knew that we had a key element to, to making what we did that much better, to taking our level up to... Um, and then when we do a bid, I knew my bid was really accurate because you were working on it with me, right? You were yeah. clear as to what we would need. And uh, so everything went up because you were there. But if I were territorial and had to try to do these things myself or use or, or maybe discounted your input in any right. way, Right. Then it would have been a lot harder for us to sell yeah. what we did. And that's because all of a sudden, thing. yeah. Yeah. So, the one of the things that many people who are growing small businesses, entrepreneurs fail to do is give up this level of control, this certain, this level of control and territoriality. And they fail to hire people that are better than them. Yeah. What they tend to do is they tend to hire people 
who will do things that they tell them to do. Yeah. And but, that's, yeah, that's such a learning experience as a, as an entrepreneur, that is such a learning experience. Even when you think you are trying to hire better, sometimes still finding someone who actually is, <laughs> it can be very hard. It can be very hard. Yeah. But that's part of the, that's part of the mission because the first thing you have to start with is the belief that I need people who are better than me. And then two, there are people who are better than me at Absolutely. almost everything I do. And so that is, that's a challenge for the ego to go into that point of view, because as an entrepreneur, if we've had our hands on every single aspect of the business, from accounting to building the product to shipping the product, we think we know everything about our business, but there are a million ways to accomplish what we're doing. And yeah. we aren't the be all and end all. And giving that up is scary. It's scary. Giving it's, up. it's it's hard to sometimes to admit that your way isn't the best way, maybe. <laughs> it's it's hard to, you know, and but but being willing to let go and and step back and look at things differently and allow people to do things the way they do them. That's been, you know, it's something that I've appreciated over the years with you know, like our manufacturing shop, you know, watching Wilson, like he does what he does better than we do. And watching how he works has helped, you know, when I do jump in and help cut or pack or ship, understanding how he works and giving, watching how he works, he's going to prepare the pieces in the way that makes him move more quickly, like on the sewing part, right? And so watching him and listening to him and helping, letting him guide us um, on that, that previous step, the step that goes before his, you learn and you grow. And I mean, that's just a small example, but like, you know, I had my way of doing it and how I would teach it, but then watching him and letting him step in and say, like, this is actually better and um, allowed us to grow and, and, you know, you improve little speed increments are important in that business and yeah, things like that. That's, I don't know. Yeah. There's always the opportunity to improve things if we can let go of our beliefs sometimes our, our way. Yep. What got us there is not what's going to get us to move forward. Yeah. I mean, ultimately <laughs> that's it. Right. And man, I, it, it's funny because the, the company I'm working with on like people and culture stuff, you know, and tra training and learning and development stuff. That's exactly, I mean, they've grown very quickly. They doubled in size over the last 12 months. So they're at about 800 people now, you know, and um, all over the globe, you have different cultures, you have rapid growth. We've acquired two studios that were already up and running, functioning in their own way. And, you know, so when you do an acquisition, I've been a part of acquisitions before you, you know, yeah, um, I've been a part of that before on, on, in different ways and it's hard sometimes when you you don't know it's coming so we have people in a studio that didn't know it was coming and some that did and it's a different experience for everyone and trying to help everybody kind of like 
uh, gel, you know, blend and create a new culture. And I think that's a, a part of it. It's like you have core values that establish sort of like the the undertone of who you are. It's the compass, right? I always call the core values. It's the compass that guides you when when everything changes and everything needs to grow. The goals feed into those and support the core values, but the core values are the compass that guide you. If you've got those core values in place, there's a lot of freedom for movement and growth, especially if one of your core values is about embracing change. Right? So, but I, I really think that, you know, if you've got a good solid set of core values and this applies personally and applies corporately, um, you've got a solid core values that are going to drive you when things get murky and things get dark, you've got a compass that leads the way. And it, it's, uh, it's hard, it's hard sometimes to remember, um, and to look at those, you gotta like, yeah, I actually need to look at them and think about them and what they mean. And, you know, does the meaning still apply in the same way, or do we need to apply new, you know, plug new things into these core values? I think the core values can always remain with the growth of a company if they're solid and expansive, but but the things that support those core values change. The people change. The well, um, yes, yeah. we have to ask ourselves: Do I still believe? Well, and that's that is a yeah. I mean, that's a great question too, because this goes back to like what we we're saying. Right? Like sometimes, sometimes you don't align anymore. Maybe the core values you aligned with it, it's just the culture, you know, the culture that it's built upon. Um, changes and maybe that it's not the same as it was and you it's not good for you anymore and you got to decide for yourself sometimes if it's time to go sometimes you'll be ushered out <laughs> yeah. um i i'm reminded of uh, one of the companies we used to work with uh was called synapse they uh not was they still are called synapse <laughs> and they are uh a product engineering firm. They do everything from hardware to software, from medical devices to things like that. They did a lot of the early Nike Fit Band stuff mm -hmm. and they were right here in downtown Seattle. And they grew from maybe 70 or 80 here in Seattle to 100 to 120 and then they kept growing. And I remember the founder telling me it's very hard to maintain culture when you get over a hundred people. Yeah. And so, so what they did was they opened up, uh, they opened up a studio. That's a little more than a studio, but uh, of about a hundred, 120 people in the Bay area. He said, because that was the best way to maintain a culture because once it got over a certain amount, the size of the company and the interactions changed. Yeah. And I thought that was very interesting that he had a, that he had a measure of what it took to keep the culture together. And in Seattle, it was very much, I don't know what it was like down in the Bay area, but in Seattle, you walk in their offices and there was a rock climbing wall and a basketball hoop. And uh, I would say that the um, probably all of the executives, which are the guys that we used to work with on projects, they were project managers, product managers, they're executives now, but those guys are all skiers, 
rock climbers, mountaineers, mountain bikers, right? The, that's kind of the, the flavor. And they have all the other, you know, typical tech agency stuff. They have the kegerator in the employee cafeteria and the, yeah. <laughs> right, right. They have the, a toaster, the fridge, yep. the kegerator. <laughs> all the things. <laughs> But those guys do really cool work and they're, they're next level in terms of some of the products they've developed and the companies that they work with. Yeah. Um, but I really appreciated that point of view that he had an understanding of culture at a really large scale. And then I think of your experience at Zappos and how it's really hard when you try to maintain this kind of monolithic culture at a company as big as Zappos. It's really hard to fit people. It's really hard for necessary for people to find their place. Mm. Right. You I know, mean, I see, I mean, I, I see that from your experience. I'm not going to speak for you on that, but my impression is, is that at a company as big as Zappos, there, there's a certain part of it that uh, it just felt too simple. The culture felt too simple. It wasn't nuanced enough, right? It was monolithic. It was really big. Like you knew you were at Zappos when you came in the door. Yeah, for sure. But was everybody trying to fit into the culture or did the culture accommodate all those different people just naturally? And that's the thing that's the thing I think where you were this understanding of someone like uh, one of the founders of, of Synapse where, where I started, that's the first time I started thinking about that view and knowing that uh, when I worked at Substantial, there was, an, uh, there was one person, their job, when they were one of the founders, their job was just as, min their, maybe their title was even Minister of Culture. Yeah, I, I, but, yeah. But, but substantial was maybe 70 or 80 people yeah. by the time I, I, I left. And so it was much easier and it was very, and the culture was very accommodating, seemingly very accommodating The people were there. I was probably the furthest outside of the culture. I was probably the oldest person at the company and um, furthest outside of that particular culture. But it still accommodated me fairly well. Yeah. So that, you know, that's a thing that I, I think when we think of growing a business too, is like, how does this, because if, if you, you can't, if you say you're like a, a company of, of rock climbers, then you may eliminate some really great people who, sure. uh, yeah. you know, who feel who intimidated <laughs> by intimidated by all of these incredible athletes. And that's the thing that I think is marvelous, or I wonder how um, Patagonia has done it over the years, because they're all over the world. And they do have a very particular, very well articulated cultural statements. I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the cultural manifesto, the, the, the business manifesto, which is published online for Patagonia, 
it's really comprehensive. It's really beautiful and impressive. And I wonder how they maintain that, how that filters through their trainings, how they're, because I, I don't see it, but when I go in the stores, to me, they're very competent there. Mm -hmm. People know their goods. They're also really empowered to do their job. It's very obvious. Which is a huge thing, I think. Yeah. You know, it is interesting, like thinking about like how, I mean, I've been in all kinds of, uh, you know, I mean, when I was back at Eat Drink, for example, we, you know, we had two offices, one in Las Vegas and one in Chicago. And I joined, it was originally, it was just five guys, right? And then um, one of their, they let one of their own go. And then over time they grew, two of them branched off and went to Chicago. And I think three or four of them stayed here in Vegas. And I ended up joining the Vegas team. And um, I was, that was my first time leaving a design role to go into a management role. Um, to manage these guys who were also incidentally partners of the company. <laughs> so animators and designers who owned the company. And I was joining as sort of an outsider, but there to kind of wrangle. And, um, but I had been a designer, had been a coder. And so I was able, that was like my first experience with it. But what I noticed with that is the two offices had very different cultures. There was like, you know, the Vegas office was sort of like, I, I just felt it was super fun. I loved everyone I worked with the Chicago office felt very serious, very like all business, you know, like it was beautifully designed, great for having our very high-end ad agency people over to the edit suites and stuff like that. But, but um, not as fun. So it's like, so serious, you know, great people still, but just different, just a very different culture between the two. Um, and then Zappos, you know, the moving on, like Zappos was my next thing and um zappos was interesting because you know tony they I mean they tell this story when you're going through the the training at zappos the for one they have like an unheard of training period it's four weeks 7 a.m to 4 a.m every day monday through friday for four weeks everyone goes through it and it's basically it's their call center training right and it doesn't matter you if mean you're 4 p.m 4 p.m. Yeah, 7. What did I say? Oh. 7 a.m. to 4 a.m. <laughs> this is where wow, my head is. That's mean. Yeah. <laughs> that's 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday. And um, but they, they tell you even in that that training that Tony, he had sold his previous company and he he had grown, you know, a company, sold it to Microsoft or something. And um, but like he didn't like that company anymore because the culture changed. It, and he didn't like how the culture changed. And so getting rid of it was actually a great thing for him. And then joining Zappos, he didn't, you know, a lot of people think Tony Shea created Zappos, but he was not, he's not a founder. He just joined, he was an investor and then became the CEO, but he wanted to build a culture that was scalable, right? It was a big goal of his because of his experience with the previous company. And so this four week training, it doesn't matter if you're, joining for call center or you're joining as a CTO, everybody goes through the exact same training. And the last week of that training is answering phones. So you go through call center training basically. And it's, you know, it is full on culture immersion. And you ask the question, like, 
you know, does it, I think we've talked about this before. Like there were a couple points throughout that four week training period where I was asked to do things that were not me, but they're telling me they want me to be me. And so I asked the question two, two different times along the training period, right? I was like, you're asking me to do this, but you're also telling me to be me and being me and doing this thing are not aligned. Which do you want me to do? Because I'll, I'll leave. It's fine. You know, I'll go get another job, but they would both times they were like, no, we want you to be you. And if doing this doesn't fit you, that's okay. You do you. And we still accept and, you know, we value you. So that happened two different times. And, um, and, and so I ended up staying, but on the very last day of training of that four weeks, after you've gone through everything, you get this little diploma. It's like a big official thing. They want you to parade through the office and celebrate. And, um, and they offer you like at the time for me, it was five, I think $5,000 if you will, if you I leave. remember that. Yeah. So it was like a big thing, right? Like if you don't want to, you just spent four weeks paid of your life here. Um, and if you don't, if you're not on board with what we are and who we are, then here's $5,000 go, you know, hope that gets you through finding your next thing but don't stay yeah, it's here. A bonus. You... It's a bonus. It's a bonus for leaving. Yeah. It's a bonus for leaving. And that's just to say, like, if you aren't a part of this by now, by four weeks, you're never going to be. So if, if, if you can't commit to being to this culture, then you should go somewhere else. And we're okay with that. And, you know, and, and I actually think that's a, a really smart thing to do. I mean, there, I don't remember if anybody took it from our group. I do remember a couple of people didn't make it to the end. They were pulled out and kicked out like early. So, you know, we started with like a group of 40 and by the end we were 36, I think, but you know, it was, uh, so not everybody makes it to the end. If you're late, you get, you don't get let in the door. They lock the door. It's like high school in that way, you know? But well, that, for a that big company, culture. yeah, and for a big company that is seemingly to an outsider, that is a very expensive mm -hmm. process, right? You're four weeks of training, but what it gets you, if if it's four weeks of training and you and you get rid of, say, you know, let's say. 10, 10 to fifteen percent of the people up front. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the people are actually willing to commit and become long-term employees. Yeah. The benefits are incredible. Yeah. And, right? and the they really because are. Of the, yeah. Yeah. The commitment, the commitment is incredible because you weed all those people out who are just, who are just looking for any job yeah, or exactly right? because you're, you're, you're putting them into the framework and seeing how they respond in the framework. And then, yeah. and then, at the end, you're actually giving them an incentive to get out of there if they have any if reservation. Exactly. And I really feel like there was a lot of very smart stuff, you know, and, and like, I, I have to throw this out there. I have always been a person that has a hard time fitting. Um, you know, I have a hard time fitting into and I'm not a corporate culture person. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't always subscribe to well, you know, the, the, I don't know, I don't fit a lot. I've always been that way and that's okay. I understand that about myself, but I also understand when I fit and things feel great, I love it. And when they don't anymore, I don't stick around 
too long, <laughs> you know, usually it's like, okay, I, I'm ready to go. I know that my time has, my time here is done and it's time for me to do something else. Um, and I think a lot of people, this is so funny. Ken was just telling me an onion article today where it was like, um, I, I can't remember exactly, but it was like, person wishes they had enough job security to voice their opinion or something like that. Right? <laughs> and um, it ties in so well with this where, you know, I, along my career, I've seen people who are miserable in their job who stay because they don't feel like they have other options. I've never been one of those people. I won't stay. I feel like you're obviously not one of those people either. My dad wasn't that way either. And it, it just, you know, and Ken, Ken is not that way. You know, my significant other, he's not going to stay anywhere. He's, he, he also has a hard time fitting. And, you know, I, th I think sometimes when you don't fit, you build your own things and you make it work. <laughs> Yes. I think for me, um, a lot of my, a lot of my life, I wondered if I was going to fit anywhere. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of the, the, some of the best things were working, working with you, working in a few certain startups where people saw that, I would fit that what I would, who I was, what I was doing. Yeah. And uh, maybe we've talked about this, but one of my, one of my friends uh, who hired me when I just had started working in the tech industry after I had left my high rise window cleaning company, he says, I want you in the company for the ecology that you will yeah. bring. Yeah. And that was probably the best compliment I had ever heard in my life up until then. That was like yeah. the, that was like, wow, you actually see something that's outside of what most people are actually looking at when they're wanting to yeah. hire someone. That's And so that was, that was really wonderful um, hearing that um, uh, ecology, hearing him relate that. And so I've... Um, I've taken that with me ever since that was over 20 years ago, but it was really significant moment in my life, even though the job that I was asked to do was one that was a very hard job in the, where the company was at the time, because it, my job was actually to promote and sell the company as a, an acquisition or a partner when at that time really the the founder the founder told me the founder told me even if they offered me 10 million i mean this is 20 years ago and, and uh, he said even if they offered me 10 million right now i wouldn't sell it and then i'm like well what am i here for because if yeah. you're not even going to entertain these off he's he's like my wife would kill me <laughs> but my but my but I probably wouldn't accept 10 million right now. Wow. And, I, and I was like, well, okay. So now I guess I'm just, now I'm just trying to sell this as like partnerships, which yeah. we didn't really, we didn't really have the product ideas. And so for me, 
at that that really failed at the role that I was brought into. But I definitely what I really appreciated was that somebody saw that I could change the ecology that bringing in yeah bringing me in would change the ecology and so that's the way also I think of when you bring in a new person with different ideas and different values and different skills and a higher level of professionalism it brings everyone's level up it gets it can if people aren't defensive it can open everyone in the organization up to a new level of operating yeah and that's that's exciting Here's a question. Do you, with where next are are there remote folks other than you? I mean, I know you travel. Um yeah, yes, there are. Well, we have an office. We have I mean, we have a studio in Bogota. We actually we have two offices now. Uh one we are building out for the USAID deal and we are high actively hiring and um and so that will be for this sustainable tourism initiative for the next five years. This will yeah. uh, we'll have an office just dedicated to that project, and people will be coming to the office and working there. But we have other people who live in and around the city who've been coming in and out, and we're struggling with this right now. Is people certain people are not wired to work from home mm-hmm. because they just view it as a vacation. Like we had somebody just come into the office at 11 o'clock and then they leave at the regular hour. And we, uh, like we were having discussions, does that person even have a workstation at home? Like, how are they doing their work when they're at home? Mm-hmm. Because their workstation is here in the office. Oh, right. Uh-huh. And so we don't, we don't, <laughs> we, well, yeah, like, oh, we don't, because we're, because of the pandemic, right? We got very loose during the pandemic. Well, the pandemic created its own epidemic within our organization where people became less professional, less concerned with showing up on time, more casual about how much work there was because during the pandemic, frankly, there wasn't a lot of times there wasn't a lot of work. And so we had to create, which is how we created our wonderful birder show. It was like, well, we have the team. Yeah. We're not going to, we're going to keep this team. We're going to pay them, but if we're going to pay them, let's create a product that will have some long-term benefit for the company that, and that also is a passion project. That'll be fun for us. Yeah. Let's, the thing is though, that everybody got used to not doing something and then just waiting to be told when there was something to do that the a level of it maybe we didn't have the initiative before because we were so busy and we had we have one great producer who knows how to manage people yeah but there's a difference between managing really managing and telling people what to do, doling out tasks. Yeah. Distributing tasks and making people do stuff is different than managing and getting the best out of each person and also also teaching them how to take initiative because the best yeah. employees have initiative. They take initiative 
they're like, they see it's just like a, on a soccer field or in a basketball game, you go to the open spot and you make yourself available for a pass, right? Yeah. Or you set a screen or you make that next pass and you take up, you take on a task that you see needs being done, right? Everybody picks up for the other person, moves in, takes on. And that's not happening the, the, in some areas of the business. Um, we were super efficient. We just kick ass. And then in other areas, we just have this epidemic of things that were left over from the pandemic. Right. And so we, so the question for us is, is do we try to force people into a new way or do we just let people go or do we hire new people who will dilute the old culture right and yeah. the more great people we bring in it dilutes the part of the company that's been infected and then those those people either step up yeah. or they're like oh this is you know this is this is not for me anymore it because is interesting though with the i mean the remote culture thing though is i mean you know i've been working from home ish um since and I say ish because we have the manufacturing shop, so I'm there. But like, yeah, I've been doing this since Black Pixel since 2011, um, and you know, for me, it's just a, it's second nature, right? Like, I, I feel like I feel like if I have to go sit in front of a desk at an office, I'm burning so much valuable time with presenteeism, right? Like, because there are times when I, I could be doing 50 other things. Um, in addition to what I need to do, or I'm more comfortable doing it from this little workspace I've created for myself because I've learned how to do it efficiently. And yet, you know, I think we talked about the quiet quitting thing surfaced out of the pandemic and people really understanding how to value their lives, how to so, you know, I mean, I think that the true core of what that was about was like, I'm not going to let you work me to death anymore. And, you know, there's a balance here. We still, there companies rely on productivity. Productivity has to happen. What are you asking a person to do? What is an over ask? And then where's the line between doing what's asked of you, but also stepping up and being like being a resourceful person and being somebody that's proactive and being somebody that will um, fill the gaps or, you know, go to the open space for the past, so to speak. And, you know, like, I, I feel like there's, there's kind of a hazy line where we try to sort that out right now in the like corporate culture, right? Like they, like sometimes it's very obvious when somebody's not pulling their weight, very obvious. But what if they are, in fact, doing what they're being asked to do? They have a start time, they have a stop time, and you don't get any more than what, what they're able to accomplish in that time. Well, that's, I mean, that the thing is, is you and, and you know, since we've been working together since that time, yeah, um, we had people all over the world yep. working on million, multi-million, you know, million dollar half million to million to even multi-million over time projects mm -hmm. 
and those projects were getting done. Yeah. And that's the thing, very, right? To a very high level. We, yep. the, but what it relied on was that we had a company filled with very experienced professionals. It's very true. Yeah. yeah. Right. We could trust that when somebody said they could do something that we knew they could do it. We believed in them. The, the challenge, uh, the challenge for many companies, including us in some parts of our company are when people have never experienced that because yeah. we by far, I mean, we are a company built of, you know, we, we call it the dirt bag mentality. It's very right. scrappy. It's very resourceful, but also, what it's brought in, it's brought in people who are very oriented toward their recreation, towards their avocation. And what we're seeing is maybe those avocations should become their vocations because they're not focused, those they're not focused on their work. Yeah. And they don't, and they're not professional about how they communicate when they're working, when they're not working, what they're even working on. And so these these uh, these moments or these realizations are are tough right now because we do need people to be productive and we see that if we keep track that if we look at certain areas of business those areas of business don't make sense because people aren't performing yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, shape things, huh? it's like, it's like, well, we love, we love these guys, but in fact, they aren't performing. And yeah. maybe even with the way things have become, this group or this team may not be able to perform, even if we give them you know, more work, or even if we have a better manager, because they're, they're already in the habit or focused on other things in their lives, which is all of that is fine. Right. Um, but it's not, it's not, uh, it's not business. It's not a viable business. And so that's the thing is finding people that have a passion or a joy for their job and can focus on it eight hours a day. Now, the, this is the other thing about remote work, especially if you're in creative, in the creative side of things, no one can sit at their workstation eight hours and eight be hours. productive, and, right? And even, <laughs> yeah, and even when we measure, even when we measure these things, it's substantial, we had everyone on an egg timer. So you just track what job, whatever job or whatever client project you're working on. And and, you know, just as a baseline, we know that regardless of how many hours you have people working, they're only ever going to be at best 80% productive in terms of like doing stuff that's going to be making the company money. So just off the top, you have to concede that 20% of the day is just, you're going to write that off as a business proposition. And you need to because people need to have a little social time people need yeah. to get up from their desks people need to eat people need to go to the bathroom people need to go outside those things are those things are obvious to most people but then when you get into creative stuff a lot of times creative stuff is working very hard and then not doing anything 
Exactly. Because, and it's so because the idea, yeah. the idea needs to coalesce. And so in creative work, you're paying, especially in design or especially in what you did, user experience design, you have to let things percolate. You have you to have let to those think. ideas run, <laughs> a, run around yeah. in your head. And yet we, one, you have to let them run around randomly to see where they go. And then two, you have to spend time to take that random stuff and organize it before you sit down and you know spew it out that's, into some kind of... And so that's the thing yeah. that where it's intangible, you know, it's, it's hard to put an egg, egg timer on it, you know, versus where at a law firm where you're just like, uh, I spent 30 minutes on a document and I spent 10 minutes on a phone with this right, client. Exactly. And, it's very easy but, to articulate those lines, but yeah. But it's, it's, it's important to acknowledge that. And then, and then the measure of the, the measure of the product is not, how many hours you spend on it the measure of the product is is it beautiful does it do what it's supposed to do and did that per, did that designer get it done within the time frame that they said they could get it done you know yeah. right like we we know how long these things take and so as a professional you can you can be trusted to work remotely and do it at your own pace but with younger people who have never worked in a professional and environment. That is the difference, I think, <laughs> is like and, right. and that never worked even sometimes, you know, like yes, anything but remotely or I'm so grateful for Sophia's experience working at the bakery like that she's at the cookie bakery. She's she's learning how to hustle and how to move and, you know, like and how to do, handle customers that are sometimes not happy and point of sale systems and counting change, you know, I mean? like all the things. Whoa. I think that there yeah. are a lot of things that get forgotten, that get overlooked. And with digital work, I, you know, I've always been, I saw my parents work, right? Like I saw them my dad physically out in the, you know, working, shoveling and operating heavy equipment, you know, just like very physical things. And my work is me sitting and going like this on a laptop, you know, or sometimes just thinking while I'm doing other things, like, you know, sometimes just cleaning the counters or putting the dishes away. I, it gives my mind time to process whatever the task is and i don't know anyway but yeah it's it's neat to see yeah I, well you I do what you, you do on. know <laughs> the thing is you you do know like you can't say i don't know but you do know the importance of it so um i think the the difference the difference is in when we're for us right now in growing the company we have to make these decisions of do we keep and i think all th um, do we keep people do we keep people on and try to retrain them do we um, let people go and and or do we bring in new people who influence the culture in a yeah. in a greater way and that brings everybody up and all three of those all three of those are potential solutions that's right? what i was going to say we're it's probably a mix of everything 
Yeah. A, yes, a because of, uh, yeah, and that and we have a lot of young people who have never. I mean, some of our people don't even have don't even still live at home with their yeah. families. Just yeah. that because that's just part of the culture in Colombia, and um, some of them don't have these. You know, in your you know, the, some of the simplest things that you describe in your book about how to become a better person to work with, right? That, that those things, people don't know those things, right? Young people yeah. coming straight out of college, um, they don't know how to communicate with people. They don't know how to ask for things. Yeah. They don't know how to, the things that make them, they don't know the simplest things that make them good at their job, like just showing up for a meeting on time. Mm -hmm. um, that a lot of times that's probably the number one thing that makes you good at your job is you just show up for whatever you need to do and then you do it. <laughs> it is funny too, because that's one of those things that like, you know, it just seems so obvious that it goes without saying, but sometimes things that go without saying are overlooked completely. Um, yes. And yeah. so we need to say, we need to say those, we need to say those things out loud. And we are, as managers and principals in the company, we are responsible for this uh for this infection in our culture yeah for this for this moldy part of the yogurt and then just like <laughs> scooping it out and <laughs> finishing the yogurt <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. exactly <laughs> oh what a funny thing it, it's what an interesting um yeah and an interesting journey this conversation has taken i i do feel like yeah the core of what was is not always what what needs to be right um how did you say it yeah it was really well uh, well what got us there is not going to move us forward yeah it's not necessarily it what's going to move us forward and, and because I, it's the it's new it's new it's new terrain yep it's new people on the bus it's um right it's like so what you, i love we, about that is it ties into literally every conversation we've had about letting go of frameworks and about um you know really new perspective right standing on the mountaintop now with a new perspective and how every day really can be kind of like that if we choose for it to be um, it, you know, it, it's, I don't know everything is like, like yesterday, right? Yesterday just exploded on me. And I, I was just like, oh my gosh, how am I going to figure this out? But as it went along, you know, you just kind of like, okay, the, here, here's what's going to happen now. And I'm redesigning the day as I go, right. Just to try to make things work. And it worked. It was fine. I was exhausted at the end. But now what happened yesterday is not today. It doesn't necessarily need to define today. It doesn't, I don't have to carry over anything. I just need to navigate now and how I'd like things to go moving forward. And yes, you know, maybe, maybe some things apply, learning experiences apply, but like letting go of what was allows space for what we can become. And I, I don't know. I love the, just the theory of that and how it works. 
you well, know, both in the yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it's absolutely it's absolutely necessary because you can't keep taking all this stuff forward because um, if you took an exploding day forward with you, you would get another exploding day, and then yep. you might get a bigger exploding day, and then a bigger exploding day and after where that. Where does it end? <laughs> <laughs> well, it ends. It ends in a lot of bloodshed. <laughs> yeah, it ends in like burnout, you know, and it ends in stress and an overload. And um, but but this is but the, that's where this yeah, is the like, beauty. Well, this is the this is the beauty of a night of sleep. This is the purpose of a night of sleep. Yeah, and especially focusing or um, creating an environment where we know we can guarantee ourselves. Um, the best uh, sleep possible for whatever the circumstance where we prioritize it because this sleep is the ultimate eraser, right? The moment we wake up, we are empty. And then it is a mental discipline as to what we start thinking about, mm -hmm. right? We can, we can wake up to, uh, we can wake up to music. We can wake up to doing a meditation, we can wake up to any number of things that we put on our plate. And so what is the first thing we wake up to? And what is our intention when we wake up? And that's just a discipline. And so it's like the and so if we have a crappy day, and it explodes on us, then what, what do we decide that we're going to focus on the moment we wake up, right? Like we can install that as we go to sleep and sleep will help clear some of those things. And then we can wake up and we start over. Now, maybe some of those things, maybe there's still some, some things on the wall from yesterday's explosion, but we don't need to, we don't need to believe that all of those things have to come forward, right? Like you just said, it's like, and so this is the, Again, it's the beauty of sleep. Sleep is designed to clear the slate. We just need to realize that every day is completely new. It's a new right? day. Like your, your, friend, your friend today is not going to fall down again and smash her chin. Sure, I hope not. Right? You're <laughs> not, well, I mean, she could. She certainly could. But chances are not probably not right. The same thing is not going to happen. Maybe something different will happen. But um, because of your care and other people's care, she's going to be maybe more careful or thoughtful about how she moves about and what her current situation is. And so, so then there's still the rest of your day and what you want to experience and the things you want to create in this day. And we know on Thursdays, we're going to have this moment. We're going to have the, this, uh, I call it the self-indulgent unconstrained podcast. I, seriously, yeah. <laughs> With this too, this is like going to the gym in a way, you know, for like the building is... the muscle. It's like the practice of yes. re resetting and even though, you know, yeah, yesterday exploded. The last couple of weeks have been hectic, um, but and I know that like, I still have a hectic schedule ahead of me for another week with the, the shop and stuff and that's okay. Um, but this is a great reset and kind of like recalibration. 
um as a sleep well, and I sleep yeah yeah and you can even the thing is is you can we can even instead of using i know i have a hectic week coming it can be just as simple as just changing the language a little bit right, of, right. i'm going to be i'm going to have a week that's going to be fun because we're making a lot of money we're going to be focused on getting out orders and pleasing a lot of people and it doesn't need to have that word hectic attached to it. Yeah, you're going to be focused. You're going to be productive. You're going to be joyful in your work. You're going to make a lot of people joyful and they're going to be happy to give you money to do it. Right. I mean, there's all of these orders coming in. What an incredible, right. And from arguably when we've, you know, a business, that potentially in January, you were just like, man, let me, let's just shut it let's down. Close the doors. Right? Yep. Let's yep. close the doors. Cause you know, what are we doing this for? Exactly. And then along comes Sam <laughs> and it's like, wow, well, this is really cool. And it's bringing a lot of joy to people and we're getting really good at doing it. Like think of how good, think of how incredible, the incredible difference from what is it? Five year? How many years ago? Oh my gosh! Picture it was twenty sixteen. Yeah. So eight. Yeah. Eight year. Eight. Oh, like eight years ago. And just think of how much better you are at this. Yeah. Think of how much better the company is at producing these, and and how many people have been, how many people have been served. Yeah, that's how many. That how many shirts? Do we have, do we have that? Do we have that statistic? How Not, many, how many garments have been printed? I mean, just, just for the pure joy of it, find that number and celebrate <laughs> that number. Maybe, maybe on. And the reason I don't have it and, off the top of my head is that I have to combine two systems <laughs> so, because we have the yeah, Sam well, and we have the picture of this, but yeah. Yeah. But so but uh but just for just for grins maybe next week let's just celebrate that number all right of the right of like, is it yeah. is it 50,000 is it 100,000 yeah. right like how many that would just be right just celebrate that i will i will i will and totally then in the number. face and then in the face of however many hundred thousand customers served in the yeah. face of that, think about how, how easy and fun and efficient and um, cool your work week is in the, in the face of that, that you, that, that how many work weeks you've gone through to get better at what you do to create this, um, to create this incredible flow at picture this right now, right? There's an incredible flow happening and that's pretty cool. It and is so, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this it is, is uh, cool. what you said there though, is like, you know, get, that's one way to look at it, or you can change the wording a little bit. And it reminds me of a couple of weeks ago, like theme of the week was reframe you know reframe how you look at it mm -hmm. and 
Um, and that's a practice too, that I, like I am aware of, but not very strong at yet, but working toward getting stronger at reframing just naturally. So it's an instinctual thing um, that I catch it before it even comes out, you know, it, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, like, um, and we- and Reframe practice. Well, and even, it doesn't even need to be that sophisticated um it's it's just that i don't even allow myself to use words like crazy in the context yeah. having to do with with my day i don't use i don't use the word overtly use the word hectic um to describe things in my day or my week um it may creep in there occasionally but i'm very i'm very particular or cautious about that uh, about the use of certain words crazy was eliminated a long time ago that is many, one that i've been for many reasons as well but yeah, yeah like and yeah. It, for also for many reasons i know we talked about that on an episode earlier um yes but you know it is like word choices are a big one for me as well and it, it's it is again it's an ongoing practice right like i i feel like i'll do really really well and then you know you fall into old ways sometimes without without really the mindfulness and so mindfulness of of the words that i'm using and mindfulness of the words i choose and 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 re like repeat and things that you maybe have always i mean this is like letting go of things that what was doesn't have to be moving forward right and even that the way that we um the way that we feel and the way that we like how can we reframe it in a way that creates a better experience that's that's mm -hmm. what the work is you know well also too about your your yesterday exploding which that that word is it could be a good explosion too conjures that well sure <laughs> uh, that word conjures up so many things the thing also is is that wasn't that that explosion or that drama was not your drama right no it really wasn't it wasn't and you didn't you didn't fall you didn't hit the floor you didn't need to deal with the 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 um confusion and the exactly. but you you jumped in to help bring it down a level right you jumped in you brought your more calm more organized world and helped bring it down a little bit so you brought your world into and this is why your friend relied on you because because an uber ride home it was not going to give her all of the intangibles that you were bringing to the situation right the trust the, the comfort ecology. the love <laughs> the ecology right the there's a different ecology in an Uber ride home versus a ride home with Jamie in the Tesla, right? Quiet, calm, and uh, comforting. And so you brought that to the situation versus it wasn't the opposite where chaos came to you, right? right. You chose to go into this situation and bring what you have to offer to this situation that may have been chaotic and confusing and painful and fearful 
And so that's not your pain. That's not your fear. That's not your confusion to take with you into the next day. That's just you bringing, you expanding your ecology. And so maybe some of that, maybe some of her, there's the fear of that ecology rubbing off or that ecology coming of the, of the chaos coming with you or getting, you know, like, Ooh, I've got it on me. (laughs) (laughs) But if you are, if, because if you are clear in the understanding that you are not what you feel, right. And you are not what other people feel, then it becomes a lot easier to uh, navigate these situations because who you are and what you bring to a situation is way more than what you are feeling. What you are feeling is just an experience that you are having, but it is not you. It's just a transient thing that you are sensing. And then what you bring to the situation, who you are is the spirit, is the energy, is the collective knowledge and wisdom that is available to you in any given moment. But who you are is not what you are feeling, even though we want it to be what we are. We want what we are feeling to be significant. It's just what we are feeling is just information. That's all it is. It's just information that happens to be traveling by us or through us, but it has nothing to do with who we are. It just happens. It just happens to be what who we are happens to be experiencing. It's just information. And that's the, I think that is the key. That's the way that's the way I've gotten through some of the most non let's call them non ordinary experiences in my life. So that, um, you know, so that I, I can't, I won't call them the worst or the best or the most painful. I'll just call them the most non ordinary because then that includes things like inexplicable spiritual experiences and then just terrible childhood experiences all of that those aren't who i am those are just things that i happen to experience they are just at this point in my life they are just information to look at and then decide is this useful does this get me somewhere can i navigate with this does it right it's like looking at the most chaotic day you can imagine your life and going being in the middle of the 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 whirlwind and going hmm that's interesting yeah <laughs> right yeah that's interesting hmm i wonder i wonder i wonder how this person got there or i wonder how this situation came about and here i am i put myself in it yeah. But if I can just <laughs> observe it, if I can just observe it, then it I don't need to do anything or be anybody different, right? I'm just going to go pick up, in your case, I'm just going to go pick up my friend. I'm going to take care of them. I've handled all these things. And um, then I'm going to go on with as best I can with the rest of my day. That's uh, but, that's it. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's Al the goal. Also as yeah, also as sensitive, empathetic people, it's easy to get wound up by other people's chaos, right? It, it like is it's easy to get kind of right. The, yeah, the concern, the fear, to feel the, it. it's like the energy yeah. vibration. It's like it, it is this way, therefore I feel it. And to sometimes to reground, I guess, and, and kind of go, okay, I don't have to feel that like you feel that but i don't have to let it in <laughs> I, don't I don't know well, I, don't, I don't know how to navigate that one well, yet. well you can let it in and it actually um it's pretty hard not to let it in because mm -hmm. um if you if you try to block it out you're um we are giving up some of our power our, our power to be sensitive and empathetic the trick is, is to know that that which I feel is not me. It's not me. Yeah. Right. I'm just feeling it. This is what I'm experiencing it. It's transient. And after this transient feeling goes through this fear or this worry, or then it's gone. And then I'm still me. I am still me while I'm experiencing it. I'm still me when it's gone. I'm still me even when I'm in fear of it coming back again, right? I'm still, um, we have this, that I may have told this, you may have heard this story, but the one time my daughter got uh, trapped in a, br a bridge that was between our building and our parking garage. Well, she wasn't trapped, but she thought she was trapped. And she was like a little hamster running back and forth in the tube Aww. with the, the, there's a window. She's just like running back, daddy. And she's screaming, daddy, I'm trapped. And I'm just in the driveway to our apartment building garage, looking up at the little bridge. That's like a habit trail tube with, with like a little nine-year-old running back Aww. and forth going, I'm trapped, I'm trapped. Aww. And I go, just come out through the garage. Like she couldn't, like the building, the apartment building door was locked, but the bridge goes to the parking garage and then you can just go down in the garage and oh, you can walk out through, through the garage. It is, you but, know, when you're but in, a in her mind, seat. yeah, right. In you her mind, she was trapped. So she's running back and forth. I'm trapped. I'm trapped. I'm trapped. <laughs> and it was so, and I go, just come out through the door and go down through the garage and she comes out and goes through the garage and comes out and she's still freaking out that she trapped, that she was trapped. She's like, I was trapped. I was trapped. <laughs> and I go, I go, no, you weren't trapped because you came out through the door and came out through the garage. And she's like, oh, but I was trapped. And we, we walked, um, we walked a block. We were still, we were walking a block. We were walking downtown to go see a movie. And she's still screaming and I was trapped. I, she was still like really invested in that yeah. she was trapped and it was really super scary. And I grabbed her by the shoulders, like a Ren and Stimpy moment, like a cartoon moment, like Stimpy snap out of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, oh, man. And, 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 um, and she, and I go, I go, you weren't trapped. You came out through the garage, right? And she couldn't separate, and um, arguably for a nine-year-old, she couldn't separate 
the idea of being trapped from the reality of being trapped. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then, and then boom, it clicked in and she goes, she just stops and she goes, oh, wow, that was kind of embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) That's too cute though. It's super cute. But even now as an adult, I still think she, because of the level of energy that she put into it, she remembers that moment as being trapped. Yeah. Even though she had the, she had the clear re- revelation that, um, that she wasn't trapped and she was free to just come out through the garage. And um, this is the point I'm making is that this is the difference between believing, you know, how we carry our beliefs and I was trapped is not who she was right? in reality. And even conceptually, she was not trapped, but her belief system was I was trapped and that created the chaos and trapped is not who she was at any moment spiritually. or actually at any moment in situation the door was on the door to the garage was unlocked she just didn't believe or see that she could just go out of the building that way and she thought she and the other part of the equation was is that i don't know where my dad is yeah and so that was free freaky so that created that heightened <laughs> that heightened the that heightened the fear so that's a really cute story about what we feel is not who we are yeah. and what we also what we what we believe is not who we are how who are we (laughs) well right like i can i can say i am a rock climber but that's limiting that's not who i am right rock climbing is what i do rock climbing is what i love Rock climbing is what I enjoy and rock climbing. And uh, at the moment of climbing, I am, you know, at the moment when I'm at the gym and I'm actually climbing, even then at at that moment, Stefan is rock climbing, but is he a rock climber? Maybe in that moment, but that's not who I am. In entirety, right? No, the entirety, it's like, that's just what my body happens to be doing at the moment, right? That's what my body and my mind are experiencing and what my mind is focused on. And hopefully I'm focused on it well, otherwise I'm coming off the wall, but that's not who I am. That's how I describe, right? That it's a, it's a very gross simplification of what I am. I do at any given time. Right. I mean, rock climbing, I mean, 90% of rock climbing is just going to a rock climbing area, hiking, camping, and then you climb for a short amount of time and then you come back and you camp and you, you know, you have your beer, go to dinner, you know, make the oatmeal in the morning, whatever it's being in all the other uh, ways for sure. Right. Yeah. And so this is the, this is the fundamental 
part to differentiating and separating ourselves from what we experience. What we experience is not who we are. And even what we call ourselves is not who we are. All of those things are limiting. The words, words are actually very limiting, ultimately. And we are much like, who is thinking? Who's doing the thinking? Like, where (laughs) is that happening? All of these things are, are mysteries that are yet to be explained by science. And so it seems silly to limit ourselves to just a bunch of words to describing who we are when, when the greatest scientists in the world aren't even close to figuring out who we really are. TBD. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With and that. There on my de- and, <laughs> and there on my deathbed, I finally figured it out. Oh, oh man. Stefan, this has been a great conversation again. I, I, I like it when it actually, you know, I, I like our cross- relation back into the work world because it is a day-to-day reality you know and I don't know it kind of I like being able to kind of I don't know, t- tie it all together I guess in that way it's like there's this this reality and there's the, the greater expanse and and really how it all applies it, it all applies universally and it's it's pretty neat yeah I mean we take a long we, we take a long kind of circuitous journey and then we always get to some point at the end. That's a, uh, we get to <laughs> that golden, get to that golden nugget <laughs> today's point stick. Well, if you can stick around, <laughs> if you've determined. gotten this far, if you've gotten this far with us and uh, this is episode 27. I think so. I think so. Yeah. If you've gotten this far with this episode, um, just wait till you see what's next. Congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. You might uh, have the potential to be our friend. <laughs> join in the conversation, as I say. This is the best. This is the this is the um one way to figure out whether or not you want to be friends with us. <laughs> right. Can, can you hang? <laughs> can you hang? Can you hang through this conversation? Uh, yeah. We um, maybe maybe we'll call maybe when the podcast evolves, we'll we'll call it. Uh, we dare you to we dare you to listen to the whole thing and uh, or we dare you to become friends with Stefan and Jamie. <laughs> right. Here's the litmus test. I dare you to listen to a whole episode. <laughs> at least one. Uh, and if you've just fast forwarded to the golden nugget here at the end, which you know you'll you're guaranteed you'll get at the end of every episode, I dare you to listen to a whole episode. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and then leave a comment on what you thought. <laughs> yeah, leave a comment. Man, that first comment is going to Oh, well we've had we've had comments. We have, have we? had some comments. Oh my gosh, now I have I, to go look. I I think well, I guess we'll have to go look. We'll yeah. report back next week. All right. Deal. <laughs> I need to go get a child off to the orthodontist to get her braces off here very soon. Oh man. Yeah, another great exciting. another great milestone yeah it is it's a pretty big deal <laughs> so yeah yeah i'm gonna go do that Have all right well cheers cheers to that day. 
Yeah. Yes, yeah. thank you. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again next week. Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> Take care, Stefan. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>